Welcome to another episode of Behind the Evidence AODH, a podcast supported by the Graken Center for Addiction at Boston Medical Center. I'm one of our co-hosts, Mark LaRochelle, an addiction-focused primary care physician at Boston Medical Center. And I'm Honora Englander, an addiction medicine physician and health services researcher at Oregon Health and Science University. On Behind the Evidence, we seek to engage with recent practice-relevant literature related to substance use. The podcast draws from articles reviewed in the AODH newsletter and aims to understand what's behind the evidence through conversations, including with authors. Excellent. Well, let's jump into today's episode. We're excited today to have Dr. Singh Tan with us talking about her recent paper in the Journal of General Internal Medicine titled Addiction Consult Service and Inpatient Outcomes Among Patients with Alcohol Use Disorder. Dr. Singh Tan, welcome. Do you mind introducing yourself? Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I'm uh, a hospitalist in uh, Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx in New York, and I I'm a general hospitalist. I do have some clinical research experience in addiction. That's what I'm interested in. And so I've been working in the Bronx, just noticed that this has been a real problem with our management on the inpatient side. And I just wanted to um, look more into it. So here we are. Terrific. Dr. Singtan, just to begin, if you could tell us, why did you do this study? Give us some context about why medications for alcohol use disorder are important and how you proceeded. Sure. We've known for quite some time that medications for alcohol use disorder are really effective in reducing alcohol consumption for people who have alcohol use disorder. Um, And even as that's the case, they're really underutilized. And so uh, it would be the same as, you know, not treating patients who have high blood pressure um, with evidence-based medications to reduce their blood pressure um, or uh, people with depression with evidence-based medications to um, treat their depression. Um, And so in the same way, um, us not delivering evidence-based care to our patients who have alcohol use disorder is um, a real problem. And so uh, a lot of these addiction consult services have have been coming up throughout the country to be able to provide these very necessary evidence-based treatments to patients who need it the most. And um, there has been a lot of evaluation on these uh, addiction consult services, primarily looking at substance use disorders, generally looking at opioid use disorders specifically, which is all very necessary. But there hasn't been quite as much research um, on these services and their impact on patients with alcohol use disorder. And seeing as that this is the most common substance use disorder um, outside of tobacco that we're really dealing with and actually managing a lot in the hospital, um, it just made sense, I think, for us to kind of look at the impact of our addiction consult service um, on patients who have alcohol use disorder. And also looking in a pretty balanced or as balanced as we could make it, uh, comparison populations was also really important to us to be able to make really meaningful conclusions um, on the impact that an ACS can really have. Um, So previously, and in a lot of studies that exist, they're looking at patients who are seen by a consult service and comparing them to people who are not seen by a consult service. And inherently, those populations tend to be quite different. And that's what we found in our data as well. So we wanted to be able to match populations as much as we could based on characteristics to be able to make these conclusions more meaningful. 
That's terrific. One thing I'll I'll just add for our listeners who may, if there are listeners that are less familiar with medications for alcohol use disorder, again, um, as Dr. St. Tan said, it's really astounding to compare the effectiveness of medications like acamprosate or oral naltrexone or injectable naltrexone to other medications for chronic illnesses. And, you know, the numbers needed to treat for a return to any drinking for acamprosate are often cited around 12, number needed to treat around 20 uh, for oral naltrexone for any drinking and 12 to reduce heavy drinking. And again, these are really effective and important medications that are widely underutilized. And I'll also acknowledge that the idea of starting these medications in hospitalized patients is, I think, a frame shift in the last decade. And when I came through training, and I don't know about you, Anora, and you, Sumit, but it was not common for us to recommend starting them. And in, in, in it was, you know, this is a chronic condition. It should be an outpatient issue that's managed in that respect. And so this is a frame shift in more recent years. I, I totally agree with you. And I think what's interesting is, especially from a hospital medicine perspective, we become very good at treating alcohol withdrawal. And we do that all the time. Um, and so that we treat this like it's a very acute condition, yet being able to help the chronic condition underlying this is also really critical. It's like someone coming in for a hypertensive emergency and then sending them away without the proper blood pressure medications. And so I, I agree. And I'm so glad that the frame has shifted in this time because patients benefit from the treatment that we're able to give. Great. I appreciate some of the background on wanting to do the matching, which you guys did really well in your study. I'm wondering about the methods in general and how you went about your study. Sure. So the medications that we looked at were um, acamprosate and naltrexone. We looked at PO or oral naltrexone as well as um, intramuscular injection of naltrexone. And we counted that intramuscular, and um, we used it for inpatient treatment as well as MAUD at, at discharge because um, it has a 28-day depot. In, and so it is really considered as both inpatient and medication at discharge. So what we looked at was um, we had our addiction consult service, which was developed in April of 2021. And so we wanted to look at admissions that received a consult. Um, and we wanted to find some comparable um, population. And so if we did a concurrent, if we compared them with concurrent admissions um, admitted during the same time period, we were looking really at people who received a consult versus people who didn't receive a consult. And um, that comparison itself was really the characteristics. We looked at various uh, demographic, clinical, and hospitalization characteristics, and those were quite different in these two groups, um, presumably because patients uh, that are receiving a consult probably are receiving a consult for a reason. And if there's a consult service available, they're going to be able to see those patients who need it most. And so for that reason, we kind of looked back and our timeline was a little bit different because COVID happened when we looked immediately back. So we had to look even further back to like 2019 to find a comparison population. So what we did was we determined in the addiction 
consult service available population, the propensity for a patient or an admission to receive a consult during that time based on a number of their characteristics, um, demographic, clinical, and hospitalization characteristics. And we determined that propensity and applied it to the historical population to determine a, a control population who would have presumably received a consult had a consult service been available. And so these two populations were much more similar um, when we compared them and much more balanced by way of a number of their characteristics compared to a concurrent sample. And so for that reason, that's where we drew a lot of our comparisons and our conclusions. Great. And, And what were the outcomes you looked at? Our primary outcome was initiation of medication for alcohol use disorder while patients were admitted. Um, And then we also looked at discharge with medication for alcohol use disorder. And then we looked at our secondary outcomes, which had to do with patient-directed discharges, as well as seven-day and 30-day hospital readmission and seven-day and 30-day ER visit post-discharge. And so kind of more outcomes regarding utilization. Dr. Singtan, I just want to jump in with a comment and really underscore one of the things that you said, which I think is so important, particularly in the context of these real-world interventions that may have hospital funding or sort of they may not be traditionally funded as as compared to other research studies. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, use of rigorous comparison groups with propensity match controls and really the way that you just talked through and thought through in your study how to look at a comparison is so important for research and for our audience. And another thing that I just want to underscore that you did in the manuscript, and again, this is an area where I review many, many papers, and and this is sort of the heart and soul of my work, is that I really appreciated how you used a standard model definition and you referenced the recent taxonomy that that my team and um, others at NYU did really looking at what are the care models. This is a little bit of of a side plug, but I hope that our listeners in considering this work in this field really uh, appreciate and and sort of rely on the importance of describing models uh, and describing the interventions and then using these standard model definitions when reporting outcomes. Because I think so often an interprofessional addiction consult service may get lumped with an individual consultant and they're very different models. And they're different models than having hospitalists deliver um, medications for opioid use disorder or medications for alcohol use disorder. And I don't say that to suggest that We know that one model is better than the other, but as we're describing the outcomes, they're very different models. They have different resources, different approaches, um, different strengths. And so it's it's really important to be comparing them using standard model definitions and and the taxonomy. Thank you for that, um, Honora. Um, I think, yes, our ACS here um, at Montefiore is an interdisciplinary model. And um, I I do agree that all of these models work differently. They, they consist of different, different support services and everything. And it's important to make, make our conclusions based on that. Thanks. Great. Um, all right. Getting back to your study. Um, can you talk us through what you think are the main takeaways? Uh, and if there was anything that surprised you in your findings? Sure. Um, I think our main takeaway was that our addiction consult service really increased the use of evidence-based treatment just so significantly. Um, And although we knew that, or we 
hypothesize, we suspected that having a consult service to come and see our patients with alcohol use disorder um, would increase use of these medications. I think the degree to which it increased was really remarkable. Um, and so it really speaks to the importance of addiction consult services in their um, ability to deliver evidence-based treatment to our patients who need it. And the other things that we found was that there was no significant impact or no change um, among patient-directed discharges and amongst our, our readmission or our ER visits uh, when comparing between admissions who saw the consult service or who were consulted by the consult service and those who were not. Um, and so I think that when we speak about a lot of our hospital related outcomes and the things that hospitalists or, um, you know, administrators really look at, I think that there's less of an impact on those things, but it speaks more to the value of, or the benefit of high value care, um, that we really are delivering care that these patients need and we're delivering quality that they need. And I think it speaks a lot to the importance of, um, or the fact that a lot of these patients require multiple touch points um, and multiple high value touch points within the healthcare delivery system in order to eventually get the health outcomes that would be beneficial. That's terrific. Sumit, so, could you could you just delineate the, the medication for alcohol use disorder findings uh, in terms of odds ratios? Because I think they're really, really compelling. Speak a little bit to that if you would. Yeah. So there was amongst our patients who saw or our admissions who were consulted by the consult service, there was a 52.5 times greater um, odds of receiving new inpatient medication for alcohol use disorder in our unadjusted analysis. Um, And slight, it was 49.8 times increased odds in our unadjusted analysis. And then with new receiving new MAUD at discharge, there was a 37.3 times greater odds for receiving that treatment at discharge in those who were, in those who received an addiction consult service consult. Great. And and to put these odds ratios in context, could you tell us the absolute number of patients who actually received medication? Oh, sure. Yeah. With our Admissions who were seen by the consult service, 71 out of 215, or 33% of them received new inpatient treatment, and that's compared to two two admissions, or 0.9% in our in our admissions who were not consulted. For the outcome of looking at receipt of MAUD at discharge, um, 89 of the 215 received MAUD at discharge, which is 41.4%. Um, and that's compared to four admissions who received uh, medication at discharge in the non-consulted group or 1.9%. So it was really a market change. Great. I'm wondering if you could put these findings in the context of what other studies have shown, where things might be similar, or where things might be different. Sure. I think that other studies that have looked at medication initiation have all shown kind of an increase with addiction consult service, just in general, whether it's alcohol use disorder or other substance use disorders in general. I think that there's been a little bit more mixed results when it comes to utilization outcomes, readmissions and ER visits and that sort of thing. Um, So there have been some papers looking at initiation of medication and these uh, other utilization outcomes um, that have shown that there's been a reduction in readmission and in ER visit among patients who have received or been discharged with 
medications for alcohol use disorder. And we really didn't see that same reduction. Um, and I think that that maybe because of how carefully controlled this population was or our comparison groups were, um, that, you know, these are uh, complicated and and complex set of factors that contribute to patients' readmissions um, into the hospital. So one, one factor or changing one aspect of their care could make an impact, but it's less likely to, to change their utilization. And I think that probably also thinking just in terms of utilization is quite limiting um, because really we're, we're looking at a long-term impact on people with a complex disease. And so this requires multiple touch points uh, within a healthcare system in order to have the impact that we're hoping for, for long-term health benefits. Um, and so maybe simply looking at readmission and ER visits, which are so often kind of harped on from an administrative standpoint, um, are really not the same outcomes that we should be looking at when it comes to delivery of these, these treatments for our patients, um, that they could be having a positive health benefit um, over time, but that is not necessarily measured with just a simple 30-day readmission. Sumit, I really appreciate that, and, and I agree. You know, another thing that I found really striking in your findings, and I'm hoping you can speak to some, is as we're talking about these differences, you know, 33% versus 0.9% of medication for alcohol use disorder initiation, you know, as it's as thinking about the earlier part of our conversation where practice has changed and we have a long way to go, but really, the staggeringly low numbers of um, MAUD initiation without a consult service. And, and I think that, you know, those numbers haven't been refreshed uh, recently and, and it really shows persistent gaps in care quality. And so I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to that, to these sort of very low non-ACS rates of, of evidence-based care for alcohol use disorder. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that historically and even to some extent now, the priority of the primary care team has really been management of withdrawal. And we do a pretty good job at managing withdrawal. And I think the practice of, and the culture of starting these medications for long-term management of alcohol use disorder and, you know, other use disorders that we can also provide medication treatment for is still in a cultural shift. And I think that we're midway or partway through that. We still have a lot of ways to go. Um, but I think that having conversations about the benefits of these medications and the, the overall impact of, of what uh, ACS can provide is really important in shifting the culture in all of the healthcare institution. And so just with the presence of the addiction consult service, I'm convinced that there is going to be a culture shift um, and people will start feeling more comfortable with starting these medications. And hopefully our primary teams and our, our hospitalist providers will start to increase their comfort and um, in providing these medications on discharge and in, in, in patient setting. And, you know, I think that's right. And I think one thing I'll just add for listeners is that, you know, we know that hospitalizations related to substance use disorder are highly prevalent and rising. So in many hospitals, it's as many as one in four patients. Nationally, uh, as many as one in nine patients have a substance use disorder. Interprofessional addiction consult services cannot 
manage that kind of vast need. And we really right. do need generalists. We need hospitalists starting these medications. You know, the other comparison that I think is important is that unlike medications for opioid use disorder, which are often felt to be difficult to initiate either because people are unfamiliar with buprenorphine inductions or there are limited resources in terms of methadone access in the community. These are medicines that can be prescribed in primary care, just like diabetes medicines, just like antihypertensive medicines. And so again, I think it speaks to the need for broader educational changes, culture shift, and it's in a very important role for addiction consult services, which is not just in the direct patient care, but really right. in transforming systems. Yeah, agreed. Dr. Sington, one of the things we, we've talked about is that this study had a null finding with respect to the acute care utilization in ED visits and hospitalizations up to 30 days. These are outcomes that are really commonly used to evaluate any kind of new service being offered to, to individuals with substance use disorders. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what we make of this null result. And you touched on this a little bit, but is, is this the right outcome? And how do we make the case to administrators that these medications are effective? And, and what are alternatives we could be turning our evaluations to, to demonstrate the benefits of what we're doing? Yeah, thanks for that question, Mark. I do think that there's a number of outcomes that we could really look at in the long term to look at the impact of not only having um, kind of an addiction-focused and specialized care provider, but also the start of these medications that are really, again, evidence-based. And so a lot of these outcomes would take more time, um, you know, more linkage to care, how many, how many people would be linked into a healthcare system after their admission, because presumably that would be a success, even if they were readmitted. Um, but they they had linkage to care on after after that readmission. You know, long term health outcomes on mortality would be beneficial to look at. Um, on morbidity would be helpful to look at. Um, but all of these do take time, and so I think that if we really wanted to find a meaningful impact of these medications, of this treatment, of this value-based care, um, the impact would have to be measured over time. You know, addiction is a complex disease um, with multiple factors that impact a person's life. So it's unlikely that one thing in one period of time is going to have such a significant impact that we're gonna all, you know, change our practice immediately for that thing. I think that we really have to look at these in the same way we look at other outcomes over time um, and measure those benefits. That's terrific. Dr. Singtan, can you talk further about what you see as the most important implications from your, from your findings? Sure. I think the biggest thing is really looking at how significantly there was an impact on start of medication for alcohol use disorder with the presence of this interdisciplinary addiction consult service. And really, it makes a strong and compelling case for this type of value-based care delivery in an inpatient setting. Um, for anywhere where, you know, substance use disorders or alcohol use disorder is prevalent. Um, and so I think that's really the biggest thing that we were able to find and conclude from this study. I also think that maybe in a, in a less profound way, it also encourages us to look at other outcomes 
um, other than these very uh, typical outcomes that we look at as far as utilization to measure the benefits of our consult service in general. Great. Very relatedly, do you have any planned next steps here? A few specific things I have, like I'm really curious about reading your findings are did people stay on the medications, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting that your team got nearly 50% of people onto a medication and um, curious about um, how many of them may have continued. And then one of the things you note in your paper is how diverse a sample um, you have in your consult service. And I'm wondering if there were any disparities in in, in the uptake of medications and, and whether or not addiction consult services are one way of helping to address the, the disparities we know that exist in who is getting access to treatment, especially in community-based settings where, where access to treatment is, is certainly not equal. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I work in the Bronx, and so our population is primarily uh, Black and Latinx. And um, so, so our study was really around this this population, and it really highlighted the benefit that a addiction consult consult service can have uh, among a really ethnically and racially diverse population. Um, so I think it speaks to that. And uh, to answer your other question, Mark, about you know what are we looking at moving forward? Absolutely, you know, sticking to treatment outpatient who's refilling medications. I think is the the best way that we can really look at that. That is absolutely something that we've considered. Um, also looking at the impact of our uh, consult service on patients who have other substance use disorder, like uh, opioid use disorder, and looking at their um, linkage to care and their outpatient treatment is also something that we're, we're looking at. Wonderful. Well, this has been such a rich and thoughtful discussion. Thank you so much, Dr. Singtan, for joining us and, and for this important study. I'm going to sort of wrap us up by offering a summary of, of the main points. And please feel free to correct me if I've gotten anything wrong and add and, and say same thing with you, Mark. Um, but just to summarize, Dr. Singtan and colleagues did uh, an important study of the professional addiction consult services, looking at rates of medication for alcohol use disorder initiation and uh, discharge prescription. They also looked at uh, outcomes of readmission at seven and 30 days and patient-directed discharge. And um, using a propensity-matched design, which is a more rigorous study design than some of the earlier studies looking at this, and with really important implications and findings. Um, I think the big sort of headline take home is that addiction consult services are highly effective at starting medications that are widely underutilized in general hospital care and without interprofessional addiction consult services. So their odds ratio was about 50 for medication for alcohol use disorder initiation. And when we compare the, um, the actual rates, it's 33% versus 0.9%. Again, just highlighting the really important gaps uh, without a consult service. And then uh, medications at discharge and odds ratio of about 37.3. However, there were no differences in readmission rates or patient-directed discharge. And so um, we had a really thoughtful discussion about uh, the importance of exploring additional outcome measures beyond to assess quality beyond readmission rates uh, as we really think about what is the value of consult services. We also talked about the role for interprofessional addiction consult services, excuse me, services to transform hospital care and promote education uh, and promote, uh, normalize and promote general utilization of such medications. 
We talked about the importance of standard model definitions when describing hospital-based addiction care. That was my little plug. Uh, and then in terms of implications, really a strong and compelling case for interprofessional addiction consult services and hospital-based addiction care. And again, the last implication, which I'm now repeating, is just uh, the importance of looking for other outcomes beyond readmission. Thanks, Anara. That's a great summary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Singh Tan, for uh, being with us to talk about your article today. Absolutely. Thank you. Behind the Evidence is hosted by Anora Inglander and Mark Lavershell. Production by Raquel Silviera. Editing by Casey Kelber. Music and cover art by Mary Tomanovich. Miriam Kumarami is the medical director of the Graken Center for Addiction and co-editor-in-chief of AOD Health, together with David Filene. Learn more about AOD Health and subscribe for free at www.aodhealth.org. Behind the Evidence is supported by the Graken Center for Addiction at Boston Medical Center. It is intended for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. The views expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers or the authors of the articles we review. All patient information has been modified to protect their identities.